Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Sports Desk Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Ballantyne, and I really appreciate you tuning in to the Monday morning episode of the Sports Desk where we review the previous week's events and take a close look at the weekend and how it all played out in relation to Utah State and what they're trying to do this season. So let's take a quick look at the Utah State game. Utah State taking on the New Mexico State Aggies down in Las Cruces. Um... And then plenty of other football games going on as well that had a huge impact on what the landscape of the Mountain West might look like um, in a couple weeks once the season starts to wrap up and get into championship season and bowl season. So we're going to be taking a look at that, the entire Mountain West as a whole. We'll also be uh, looking a little bit closer at Utah State and their place in it. Let's start with Utah State, though. Let's look at the game that they had against the New Mexico State Aggies. In a weird game, uh, there was really nothing normal about that game um, other than the pattern that has developed in Utah State's uh, game so far. Uh, but it was a weird time to be playing a non-conference game. Uh, just a lot, of, a lot of weird things going on. We'll talk about that and then what it means for the conference. Uh, really like that. Like I said, that game wasn't a conference game, so it doesn't mean a ton for the conference. Uh, really, there was a lot more going on outside of the Utah State game that meant more for the conference. And outside of the Utah State game, it was kind of a earthquake week for the conference. It was a ground-shattering week for the conference with a lot of movement and a lot of weird things going on. And we'll take a look at all that. So Utah State kicks off against New Mexico State. And Utah State just went directly back to their old model of let a team get up by 10 and then start playing. It was very reminiscent of the first games, the the first part of the season where Utah State was always coming back from a double-digit deficit and having to fight back from behind. It was very much like those games um, using the same model that we did against Washington State, North Dakota Air Force, and even UNLV and Colorado State. Um, So another really chaotic win for Utah State. The Aggies do take care of business in the end, though, or I should say the Utah State Aggies do take care of business. And in the end, it isn't particularly close, 35-13. to 13. So Utah State pulling ahead and taking a commanding lead, winning by a comfortable margin, but not without the first quarter woes that we've seen, uh, not without the dramatic comeback of old from this Utah State team that we, um, that we saw the return of in this game. It sure makes things exciting. But it makes things very frustrating at times as well when Utah State in the first quarter basically just decides to allow the opponent all the points that they're going to score. And if you look at some of these games where they've done it, New Mexico State in this previous week, uh, the obvious example also being uh, North Dakota. In both of those games, I think we gave up a completely appropriate amount of points. We just did it all at the beginning. Uh, we just kind of front load our games with with the opponents scoring, and really the games in that regard are really similar to our schedule. With our schedule being very front loaded with a Pac-12 opponent, Air Force, Boise State, and BYU all at the beginning, um, and getting all the hard stuff out of the way. It's almost the same thing within each game. We just let the opponent get all the points they're going to get, and then we stop them. So giving up 13 to New Mexico State, not an outrageous number at all, not an inappropriate number at all. Um, completely, completely reasonable. New Mexico State throughout the season scored 10 against San Diego State. They scored 25 against New Mexico. 
They scored 43 in their win against South Carolina State. They dropped 21 against Hawaii and 31 to San Jose State. 28 against Nevada. 34 in their second matchup against the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. And then, of course, as we discussed, the 13-point performance against Utah State. So, New Mexico State really not scoring more than ever before in the season really scoring more on the bottom half of their scoring range against utah state uh well once utah state got going they really put the clamps on the the new mexico state aggies um but like i said the the scoring that utah state has given up is very very front heavy so uh, i mean that's one way to do it just let a team score all the points they're going to and then and then once they get that out of the way then utah state can get rolling score 35 essentially unanswered points um Outside of the first quarter, the Aggies outscored the New Mexico State Aggies 35-3. to So uh, that's one way to do it. Just let the other team uh, get all the scoring out of the way and then get going ourselves. Um, not the cleanest way to do it, not the prettiest way to do it, but as Scotty G has taught us throughout the season, um, there's no such thing as an ugly win, and Utah State certainly proving that again this week. Um, a couple notes on the New Mexico State Aggies. They are a program that has had just nothing go their way in recent years. And it's a program that just you almost feel bad for in a way, not in like a condescending way or anything like that. It's just a program that has had a really rough go the past few years uh, financially and, and all sorts of things. Obviously, the pandemic wasn't good to them as it as it treated basically everybody pretty equally across the country. Um, not a very good thing financially for different programs and such. Um, but New Mexico State, not in the best place. Obviously, being independent right now, uh, scheduling is very difficult for them. Obviously, we've seen them play Hawaii twice this year, which is really interesting, really weird. You don't see that a lot. You don't see football teams playing the same team twice, playing a home-and-home. Um, so things like that have been really hard for New Mexico State. Um, but some news that has been breaking, I guess, at this point for a week or so, a couple weeks, it was announced that New Mexico State will be joining Conference USA. So that's a huge, huge upgrade for New Mexico State, who is currently competing in the WAC and, quite frankly, in basketball, dominating the WAC. They are really a top program in the WAC, um, but in football, they have been independent. It's been difficult for that program. So for the New Mexico State Aggies to be joining Conference USA, CUSA is is huge for New Mexico State. I'm excited for that program, and I I wish them nothing but the best because they are they're a fun program to watch. I will also say New Mexico State has some of the coolest jerseys that I've seen all season long uh, against Utah State. They had pretty cool helmets with their their cowboy Aggie on the helmet. But their jerseys themselves on the shoulder had the two revolvers and an X on the shoulders, and that was really really cool. So, kind of a fun program, and I hope that the I hope Conference USA treats them well, and I hope it's a good fit for New Mexico State. So, New Mexico State could certainly be a program on the rise, but as of right now, it is certainly a team and a program that should um, should be a, a win for Utah State, and and it was. Utah State didn't make things easy for themselves, but at this point, I'm starting to think that they like playing from behind and they like being down by 10. Um, so if that's what they like, then that's what they got. Um, they didn't make things easy, but by the end of the game, they did have it rolling and they made it really look like they were uh, just having a good time uh, out there on the field. 
So a quick, uh, a quick scoring summary. Uh, New Mexico State outscored Utah State in the first quarter, ten to zero. As we've talked about, back to those first quarter woes that we've seen some really great improvement on in the Hawaii game. Especially, we started talking about it even a week earlier against Colorado State, um, just holding the opponent in the first quarter in Hawaii. In the Hawaii game, we actually got out ahead and scored twice on Hawaii in the first quarter. Uh, outscored the Rainbow Warriors fourteen to zero in the first quarter. First time that's ever happened all year. Um, so kind of back to getting outscored in the first quarter, 10-0 to for New Mexico State in the first quarter. After that, though, Utah State started to get settled in, uh, particularly the defense, which got settled in in the second quarter. The offense took a little bit longer to really come around and get really, really moving. Uh, the offense uh, started to cruise in the third quarter right there in the second half. But in that second quarter is when the defense really started to settle in and start getting some big stops for the Aggies. Uh, for Utah State. So in that second quarter, Utah State actually outscores the New Mexico State Aggies 7-3. to That would be the last time New Mexico State scores at all. Uh, that field goal would be the last time that they score in the second half. Utah State really starts to just run away with it and start to feel really comfortable with the lead. 21 points in the third quarter. That's actually the second game in a row where Utah State scored 21 in the third quarter last week against Hawaii, ending up with 51 points. 21 of those came in the third quarter. This week against New Mexico State, 35 points total, 21 coming in the third quarter. Um, so Blake Anderson must have a way of getting that team fired up in the third quarter with whatever he's saying in halftime. In the fourth quarter, um, Utah State a little bit on cruise control. Uh, really after those first two touchdowns in the third quarter, Utah State started to slow down, um, taking a, a comfortable lead at that point, or, or a lead at that point that, was, um, that, that Blake Anderson was comfortable with. Uh, and then in the fourth quarter, Utah State scoring just one touchdown. New Mexico State not finding the end zone at all. So that is the scoring summary. Let's take a look at some of the uh, individual stats and some of the playmakers. Logan Bonner looked really, really good. He did get back to his uh, throwing an interception per game. He's done that pretty consistently, but it's something I can live with when he's throwing four touchdowns to one interception. Uh, per game that is definitely something I can live with so Logan Bonner on the night was 23 of 32 for 359 yards four touchdowns and an interception like I said that touchdown to interception rate is really something I can live with um, the rushing was not quite as not quite as explosive as we have seen it be in the past not quite as uh, not quite as explosive as maybe we would have liked it to be um, but that's just fine in a game where you can throw the ball really, really well. So rushing, we ended up with just under 100 yards. Uh, I know Scotty G was really, really rooting for us to get to that even 100. So unfortunately, we didn't quite get to it. Uh, 98 yards on the ground and in the air, 359. So at this point in the season, we have talked so much about a balanced attack um, balanced in terms of rushing and receiving. And at this point in the season, the important part of that balance is winning games and getting yards however you can get them. So early on in the season, a balanced attack might mean getting equal yards, rushing, receiving. We've pretty much seen that actually happen against Washington State when we had 222 yards on the ground and 219 in the air. But as the season progresses, balance might mean getting a little bit more of one than the other. And in this game, it meant getting 300 yards in the air. At this point, balance just means that you have the ability to do both, not that you necessarily do 
get both on a, on a weekly basis. We're not obligated to run the ball for as many yards as we throw the ball um, because we're just really obligated and looking to win games however we can do that. So 98 yards on the ground, which as I said is fine when you can throw the ball for 359 in the air. Um, the, the leading rusher was, once again, El Elian Noah, even with the return of Calvin Tyler Jr., Elian Noah getting a majority of the snaps and a majority of the uh, rushing attempts. This is not particularly surprising because of Noah's performance in the previous weeks in Calvin Tyler Jr.'s absence. Calvin Tyler Jr. is a phenomenal athlete, but Noah just getting uh, getting the majority of the snaps and the carries this game. Um, so Noah with 16 carries for 57 yards. He also punched in a touchdown. Uh, Calvin Tyler Jr. with 8 carries and 39 yards. His longest rush was also 18 yards, which is really impressive. Savon Scarver actually ran the ball again, and I really love seeing this. I love when the Aggies try to get the playmakers the ball. When Savon Scarver has the ball, he moves forward. He he moves, he's fast, no one can catch him. Savon Scarver got just one carry, but he ran 10 yards with it. Uh, John Gentry got four carries and ended up with a uh, with a yard on the night. So a, a solid a solid night on the ground, um, something you'd like to see improvement on, um, but it's also something that they weren't, I don't think, trying to move the ball too too much on the ground. Um, if you're getting 98 yards on a, in a game where you're trying to move the ball on the ground, that might be a problem, but when you're throwing the ball a lot more, not, not a huge issue. Um, one other aspect of a balanced attack, you look at some of those numbers within rushing and within receiving, and the rushing really is a pretty balanced attack between Noah, Tyler, Scarver, and Gentry. Uh, Scarver's not really on that list characteristically. I'm hoping that he can be, but generally it's been Noah, Tyler, Gentry. Um, Makakona as well has been there uh, in weeks in weeks past. Um, but splitting up the, the carries somewhat evenly and, and splitting up the yards certainly pretty evenly as Calvin Tyler Jr. is picking up bigger, you know, big plays and Savon has a big play. So a balanced attack even within rushing. Receiving is as balanced as it can be when there is a man named Devin Tompkins on the team. DT with nine catches and 215 yards, two touchdowns. Devin Tompkins is one of the greatest athletes I've ever seen. He's certainly... One of the best athletes on the field in every game. I think from here on out, um, and this has probably been true for weeks at this point, Devin Tompkins is one of the best players on the field um, in every game that we play. I think he was probably one of the best players on the field this week, last week, and will be for the rest of the season. Um, and when Devin Tompkins is actually on the field, there is usually a pretty good chance that he's the best player on the field uh, because there's not a lot of defenders that are explosive or as fast as he is. Uh, that kid is five foot eight inches of pure athleticism, and he is just so fun to watch. So Devin Tompkins with nine receptions, 215 yards, two touchdowns, and his longest reception was 54 yards. Brandon Bowling coming in right behind Devin Tompkins, four catches, 50 yards. Uh, Justin McGriff, two catches for 20 yards and a touchdown. Derek Wright, three catches for 20 yards and a touchdown. Kyle Van Leeuwen getting some decent playing time. He grabbed two catches of his own for 19 yards. They also threw the ball to Elian Noah. He had one reception for 18 yards. Savon Scarver getting a little bit of usage in the air as well. Two receptions, 17 yards. Again, he's just a playmaker who finds a way to pick up yards. He's a very good athlete. Um, Devin Tompkins and Savon Scarver, they're kind of the backfield when we are um, fielding a kick. And I can't think of two scarier dudes to 
have fielding a kick. If you're a kicking team and you look up and you see Savon Scarver and Devin Tompkins in the backfield, um, you may as well just not kick it off. I mean, you may as well just squib kick it, onside kick, because those two are crazy, crazy athletic. Um, so I would not want to have to play against Savon Scarver and Devin Tompkins. Um, looking over the stats, uh, before we get to defense, Logan Bonner actually fumbled the ball one time as well, did not lose the ball. Um, so that's, that's kind of the important part of that statistic. Um, fumbling the ball is, is bad, I guess. Um, but the whole point of why a fumble is bad is because there's a potential to lose the ball. When you don't lose the ball, it's not really such a big deal. Only something to, to, to worry about if it's happening a lot. So Logan Bonner, not, not losing the ball on a fumble, but, uh, did, did lose control of the ball once. Um, defensively, our guys had, had a really great night, particularly after that first quarter. Um, they played three quarters of some of the best defense I've seen. Uh, they were really making it hard for that New Mexico State offense to get humming um, after they basically spotted them 10 points. Shaq Bond with nine total tackles, kind of leading the pack. Seven of them were solo, and one was a sack. Hunter Reynolds coming in right behind him with eight tackles, five solo. Justin Rice, uh, his name is constantly up in the up in the top half of the defenders on Utah State. He had seven tackles, five solo, and one tackle for loss. Cash Gilliam also six tackles, two solo tackles. Nick Henniger always makes his presence known. He had five total tackles, four solo, one sack, and two tackles for loss. The guys on defense really having a, a great night. Uh, Marcus Moore also notable. Four total tackles, four solo, and three tackles for loss. So really just a great night uh, all around on the defense. Um, no interceptions, but that's okay because we were putting so much pressure on the on the quarterback anyways that he was throwing balls away, uh, throwing balls into the ground, all sorts of things like that. So no interceptions, but not super necessary. I'm not worried when we're not getting receptions, when we're getting so many uh, tackles for losses and things like that. It's a little bit like we talked about the uh, the rushing versus receiving yards. I'm not worried about the 98 rushing yards when we get 359 receiving yards. I'm not super worried about the lack of interceptions or fumbles caused and, and recovered um, if we're getting a bunch of tackles for loss and, and, and three and outs and things like that. One major area of concern for Utah State, at least early on in the game, was time of possession. At halftime, the time of possession was... 21 minutes and 13 seconds for New Mexico State compared to 8 minutes and 47 seconds for Utah State. That was a huge issue in the first half, particularly in that first quarter. And really that just kind of shows why New Mexico State was able to take a lead and, and what was going on. New Mexico State had 10 points on the board before Utah State even had their first first down. Um, Utah State starting the night with a couple of three and outs and letting New Mexico move the ball, find the end zone, is kind of an issue. And it's going to lead to numbers like this and discrepancies like this. By the end of the game, it straightened itself out. It wasn't as big an issue. New Mexico State still ended up with more time of possession, but points win games, not time of possession. At the end of the game, it ended up being 33 minutes and 40 seconds for New Mexico State versus 26 minutes and 20 seconds for Utah State. So that ended up getting a lot better. But that was a major area of concern early on. And if you're going to have time of possessions like that against really, really good teams, or even teams like San Jose State coming up this weekend, um, 
I'm not so sure that the score ends up favorably. I'm not so sure that the score ends up so favorably for Utah State. Um, so yeah, that that's uh, something to look at, something to something interesting to keep an eye on, um, and a trend that we probably don't want to see. That was something that we saw a lot with Jordan Love back in back in the day, um, and it was a good thing when we saw that. Uh, this is a little bit of a different offense, so not not a great thing when we're seeing. Um, 21 minutes versus eight minutes of time of possession that just about does it for this game the game itself was great for three quarters and unfortunately doesn't really matter for much because it's an out of conference game at a really really weird time of the year air force also playing a out of conference game which at this point in the season for the conference to have two out of conference games going on in one week is bizarre to me i'm not sure uh, how often that happens in week nine, but here we are. It happened. Let's take a look at those other games. Air Force playing Army in their out of conference game. So as we discussed, it's not a conference game, but it's also more important of a game. It's a game that they take really, really seriously, and it's important for uh, Air Force and Army and and Navy as well in that Commander in Chief trophy. So after Utah State beat New Mexico State 35 to 13, that was the next game. Army getting the best of Air Force 21 to 14 in an overtime game. So Air Force falls, drops a non-conference game to Army. Uh, moving on was moving on to some of the more impactful games for conference ramifications. We have Colorado State losing to the Wyoming Cowboys in a game that kind of surprised me. I think I I think I'll, I'll own up to the fact that I think I've been a little bit, um, I've been selling the Cowboys a little bit short because of their their really really slow start in conference. They're still a team that can play football. They're still they're still a team that can put up points. So Wyoming getting the best of Colorado State. Colorado State is now two and three in the conference. They are now pretty much completely out of the running for the division title. Um, three loss teams, uh, team teams with three conference losses don't often play in the Mountain West Championship game, uh, or you'd certainly hope not anyways. So Colorado State picks up their third conference loss to the Wyoming Cowboys, who is who have four conference losses. They are one and four in the conference. Um, so not a particularly impactful game for uh, the division title race, but certainly an interesting one. And Wyoming's a team that we play in a few weeks. We're going to keep our eyes on Wyoming. Uh, it would be, it would not be beneficial for Utah State if Wyoming decides to start getting hot again and figure out how to win games again. Uh, that would not be great for Utah State. Uh, moving on, we had another really surprising one, Boise State versus Fresno State. Boise hung 40 points on Fresno, 40-14 to 14 in Fresno. So Boise on the road, taking care of business, takes down the Bulldogs in pretty dramatic fashion, 40-14. to 14. And this is where it starts to shake up what's going on in the conference. I will say, after our last recording, after last week with Jacob... Uh, we talked about some of these games and kind of what we want to happen. And I know we talked about Boise State picking up another conference loss. And we've talked about how that could be important because they're the team that we don't have the tiebreaker against. Um, right now, the other two loss teams in the conference or two conference loss teams in the conference are Air Force and Boise State. So if we lose again, 
Air Force is not an issue because we have the tiebreaker. Boise State has two losses. We don't have the tiebreaker. We need them to lose if we want wiggle room uh, and breathing room in the conference. But I'm not sure that it I'm, – I'm not sure how much we're going to need it. And I'm not sure how much we should be hoping for breathing room as much as we should be hoping for us to win out. I mean, as long as it's just what we're rooting for and what we want to happen, I'd rather just win out. Um, so that being said, I had a little bit of a change of tune after we recorded last week where I kind of came away from the show wanting Boise State to lose to Fresno, which I thought was quite likely at the time. And I kind of decided to start rooting for Boise State, and here's why. If Boise State wins that game or if Fresno loses, looking at the rest of the schedule for everybody in the West Division, if Utah State can win out, it is not only a fact that they will be playing in the Mountain West Championship game, but it is very, very likely that the championship game is played in Logan, Utah. Because the West Division is really, really tough. And so after we recorded that podcast, I started to think to myself, I would rather have Boise State win this game, or at least have Fresno State lose another game. Because if, if Fresno loses a couple, and if... San Diego State loses a couple. Utah State might end up with the best record in the conference. Nevada is in there as well, especially if San Diego State and Fresno both lose, which at this point Fresno has. So Nevada might might present an issue. But, but I, I kind of changed my mind and decided to start rooting for Utah State not to have breathing room, but to have the opportunity to host the Mountain West Championship game. Now, if we can have both, that'd be great. You know, if Boise can still find a way to lose another conference game and have San Diego State lose a game and have Nevada lose a game, then that would, that would be great. Sure, that'd be fine. Everyone else in the West Division already has one loss, so if San Diego State and Nevada both lose just one more, we would be hosting assuming we win out. And that to me sounds pretty exciting. That to me sounds a lot more exciting than winning a conference with some breathing room. Especially because at this point, we are already in the driver's seat. We control our own destiny and we have for weeks at this point. And so quite honestly, if the, if the boys want to play in a conference championship game, they already know what they have to do. They know they have to win out anyways. Because if they lose another game, they give up the steering wheel and they hand it to Boise State. They take their own destiny away from themselves and they give it to Boise State. And they don't want to do that and I don't want to root for that anyway. And so in terms of what I'm rooting for, and again, it's not like what I'm rooting for has any effect on any game ever. But here's what I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for Utah State to host the Mountain West Championship game. You can root for whoever. I don't care what you guys do. But the fact that Utah State might have a chance to not only play in, but host a Mountain West Championship game after the year we've had last year, and quite frankly, just at all. We've never hosted a Mountain West Championship game before. That would just be amazing to me. 
And honestly, the fact that we are even having this conversation at this point, I think speaks volumes about Coach Blake Anderson and what he's been able to do with this program. Utah State is now 7-2 and two on the season. We were supposed to win three games, picked to finish fifth in the division. Ten games ago, we were forfeiting a game against Colorado State to end the season. And now we're 7-2, and 4-1 and one in conference, with wins against a Pac-12 team, North Dakota, Air Force, UNLV, Colorado State, Hawaii, and New Mexico State. Something we were just not supposed to do. So the fact that we are even having a conversation, a serious conversation, that includes a chance of Utah State hosting the Mountain West Championship game, is so amazing to me, and I can't help but root for that. So let's take a look at what is yet to come in the conference, and let's see if that's even a possibility, if the teams that we need to lose can even lose one more game. So right now, the only two teams that could potentially end the season with one loss, the way Utah State could, if Utah State wins out, the only other two teams are San Diego State and Nevada. San Diego State currently 8-1, 4-1 in the conference. Nevada currently 7-2, 4-1 in the conference. So identical conference records with each other in Utah State, both with only one loss. They play each other. So there is no way both of them, after November 13th, both have one loss. San Diego State will then go on to play UNLV in Boise. And the way Boise's playing, they might lose to them. I think San Diego State's the better team, so that might be our that might be our breathing room. If we lose again, San Diego State might beat Boise. So that might that might be good for the Aggies as well. If Nevada beats San Diego State, then San Diego State beats Boise. That would be perfect. Nevada's path is San Diego State, Air Force, Colorado State. Nevada could go 3-0 in those games. Nevada could also go 0-3 in those games. No one else in the conference could, could finish with one loss. You can't get rid of losses. So San Diego State has Nevada, UNLV, Boise. I think there's a good chance San Diego State beats UNLV probably without uh, too much difficulty. Nevada could be a tough, tough, tough game right now. According to ESPN's matchup predictor, San Diego State is favored, 46% to 43%. And then going on to Boise, which is another really, really tough game. Boise State is currently favored by the matchup predictor, 60% to 39%. So San Diego State has a pretty tough road. They If they pick up one more loss, and if Nevada picks up one more loss, which is, again, very likely, probably more likely, then Utah State will not only be playing in the Mountain West Championship game, they will be hosting it if they win out. Of course, all of this is, all of this is dependent on Utah State winning out. If Utah State can't win out, if they, if they lose one more game, it gets very, very interesting because at that point, Boise State also has to lose one more game for us to play in the championship game. Boise State has three games left. They play Wyoming, New Mexico, and San Diego State. 
So again, it's possible for all of this to break in Utah State's favor. Utah State could potentially still lose a game and still be playing in the Mountain West Championship game. At that point, though, there's no guarantee that we're hosting it. If we lose another game, the championship game will probably be played in California, and it might not be us going to it. If we lose again, the championship game will be probably played in California, and it might be Boise State making the trip. If we win out, the championship game might be played in Logan. And at that point, it will be probably Nevada or San Diego State making the trip. Fresno's weird loss to Hawaii is really costing them right now. And that also brings me to my point of why it doesn't really matter for us to root for San Diego State and Fresno to win, why why it wouldn't help us for them to win. At this point, Utah State doesn't have a chance to play in a New Year's Six Bowl, and quite honestly, I'm not sure we ever really did. For us to, for us to be playing in a New Year's Six Bowl or be in the running for a New Year's Six Bowl, we would have had to beat Boise and BYU probably, probably both, maybe we could get away with losing one, but we'd have to be at least eight and one right now playing an undefeated team in the mountain West championship game. And at this point, none of that has happened. So, so yeah, it would have been nice if Fresno state didn't lose to Hawaii and didn't lose to Boise. And if we could go in and beat that Fresno team, but I'm not even sure if we could beat that Fresno team in, in this rhetorical world that we're building. Of course, in that rhetorical world, we would have also beat Boise State. And so maybe we could. So that that's the thing is I just don't know that it's even a possibility for Utah State or any Mountain West team, for that matter, to be playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, we're getting a lot of respect in the polls. I just, I just don't think the respect is there to be ranked that highly to be in a New Year's Six Bowl. If that was in the question, if that was even remotely possible, then yeah, we, we would want... San Diego State or or whatever team in the West to just completely dominate and for us to be playing a one-loss team on the road in the conference championship. But that's not a possibility. I, I think best-case scenario right now, looking at the season, now that we are 75% through with the season, with just a fourth of the season to go, the best-case scenario for Utah State, without changing anything in the past, without building a rhetorical world where um, where we create whatever we want, the, the absolute best-case scenario for Utah State right now is to play in, host, and win the Mountain West Championship game after winning out with convincing wins against San Jose State on the road, Wyoming at home, and New Mexico on the road, and then to go play in and win a bowl game. That's the best case scenario for Utah State right now. That's what we should be ho- hoping for and rooting for. There's there's no reason really to hope for or to root for playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. And I don't I don't even know how much I would really want that. Yeah, it'd be nice. It'd be fun. But playing in a championship game would be just fine. With the expectations that were set for this team and after the year that we've had, all the fun that we've had, I wouldn't complain if we had a championship game in Logan. 
I don't know anyone that would complain about that if we're not playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. I would take that. So the best case scenario, Utah State wins out. They play in and host the Mountain West Championship game. They win that. They go play in a bowl game. End of the season in the top 25 put us in a good position for next year to be ranked in the top 25 to start the season. You got a tough one opening up against Alabama. Uh, you could probably afford to lose that one. But starting starting the season at the top 25 is a huge benefit for mid-major programs because it means people are paying attention to you, and it's it's easy to to move up quickly when you start in the top 25. So looking forward to next year even, the best, best case scenario for Utah State is to win out, win convincingly in the next three games, win a win a championship game in convincing fashion, then win a bowl game in convincing fashion, and set yourself up for next year. Maybe next year there's a bowl game, um, a New Year's Six bowl game on the, on the horizon. I know that's completely way too far to really be talking about, right? Like that's that's next year. We don't even need to worry about it. But that's what I'm saying is, is the best case scenario for now and the future is just for us to win out. Even looking forward to next year, I'm not sure how much a New Year's Six Bowl helps us that much over just a, a convincing bowl game win. How, how would the committee look at a New Year's Six Bowl versus a regular bowl? Especially if we go into a New Year's Six Bowl and lose, how does the committee treat a bowl game loss versus a convincing bowl game win? So there's a lot that goes into that. Um, and again, I don't want to focus too much on next year. All I'm saying is that Utah State winning out the next three games is best case scenario. Playing in the in the Mountain West Championship game is best case scenario. A New Year's Six Bowl isn't a best case scenario. That's not really a scenario at all. So in order for Utah State's best case scenario to play out, someone in the West needs to lose. Utah State controls their own destiny in terms of playing in the Mountain West Championship game, but if they want to host it, they're going to need some help on the West side. They're going to need some help. And it's going to come from San Diego State and or Nevada and then Boise State and Air Force. Because this week we'll have San Diego State playing Nevada. So this week we'll determine which team we need to lose again. Between Nevada and San Diego State, whoever loses this week is out of the picture, not hosting the Mountain West Championship game, probably not playing in it unless something else crazy happens, unless they get a lot of help from everybody else. Whoever loses this game will not be in the championship game. If San Diego State wins against Nevada... We need them to lose to Boise State or UNLV, but Boise State more likely at the end of the year. Now, if that happens, it's probably not likely that Boise State loses another game. So in that case, we would really need to win out. Because in that scenario, San Diego State beating Nevada, we would need them to lose to Boise so that we could host the championship game. But it's not likely that Boise is going to lose to Wyoming or New Mexico. So we really need to win out if San Diego State beats Nevada. If Nevada wins, and they then move on after this upcoming week with just one loss, and they put the Aztecs out of the picture, we would then need the Wolfpack to lose one game out of 
Air Force, and Colorado State. So probably Air Force. And Air Force can win that game from our perspective. We don't care how many games Air Force wins or Colorado State for that matter because we have the tiebreaker against both. So in that scenario, if Nevada beats San Diego State, it's probably better for us. It's I don't think it matters really a whole lot. Either way, it's a lot better for us if we win out. But in that scenario, if Nevada beats San Diego State, they would have to lose one to Air Force or Colorado State, which is somewhat reasonable. Nevada is and will be favored in both of those games, but it's reasonable to see Air Force winning that game. Air Force has been a great team all year. So if if Nevada beats San Diego State, we need them to lose to Air Force or Colorado State. If San Diego State beats Nevada, we need them to lose to UNLV or Boise. And again, all of this is just to host the Mountain West Championship game. If we win out, it doesn't matter who wins in any of these games. We will be playing in the Mountain West Championship game. This is just for hosting. This is just for the icing on the cake. We already will be playing in the Mountain West Championship game if we do our job the next three weeks. If we can win out. If we can take care of business. We are in the driver's seat. We control our own destiny. If we can win the next three games, we are the Mountain West Mountain Division champions. And there is nothing that can happen outside of Utah State's three next games that can change that. What Boise State does, what San Diego State does, what Nevada does, what Wyoming does, what Colorado State does, none of that matters if Utah State wins the next three games in terms of becoming the Mountain West Mountain Division champion and playing in the Mountain West Championship game. At this point, we're talking about hosting the Mountain West Championship game. At this point, we're talking about having the best record in the conference and making San Diego State or Nevada or maybe even Fresno come all the way out to Logan to play a championship game. That's what we're talking about right now. So yeah, that's that's the best case scenario. But quite honestly, I think we've already hit a lot of people's best case scenarios for this Utah State season and we still have football to go. It's been a great year so far. It's been a great season. We still have a fourth of the season to go, plus a championship game, hopefully. Maybe even a championship game in Logan. And then plus a bowl game, which at this point, we are bowl eligible, have been for two weeks. So there's still plenty of football left for Utah State. I hope you're enjoying the ride. I sure am. If you're not, there's really no excuse not to be at this point. It has been a fantastic year. Coach Blake Anderson has done a great job with this squad, and I have been very thrilled and had a great time watching it. So if you haven't, if you don't have tickets for the last game, make sure you get them. It's senior night against Wyoming for Bridger's Rifle. Make sure you're there. And hey, if there's a championship game in Logan, make sure you get your tickets to that. And a lot of the bowl games are in very reasonable locations for us uh, us Aggie fans to get to. A lot of them are in L.A. or Arizona, Boise. Very reasonable to get to. So um, start looking at that as well. Um, thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate it. And go Aggies.